Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. On Monday, a Montana judge delivered a first-of-its-kind ruling that found the state is violating its residents' right to a clean environment by not considering climate change when approving fossil fuel projects. Climate advocates are celebrating the ruling, and it's receiving a lot of attention. But the ruling may actually be less far-reaching than what the headlines suggest. So today, we chat with Politico's Alex Guillen about the details, implications, and limitations of this landmark case. It's Wednesday, August 16th. So it was a group of children who sued the state under the state constitution, and they argued that uh, Montana's pro-fossil fuel policies were violating their rights under the state constitution that guaranteed a healthy environment. Again, just to be clear, this is the Montana constitution, not the U.S. constitution. So this went to trial. A judge heard testimony on climate science, on how it affects Montana, how fossil fuels produced in Montana contribute and about the state policy, which effectively barred regulators there from considering the effects of climate change when they were making permitting decisions. So coal mine expansions, new oil and gas wells, they weren't considering the climate effects. And so the judge actually did rule in favor of the children. She ruled that there was a constitutional violation from that policy and said that the state does need to consider climate change when it's making those kind of decisions. So it's been hailed as a big victory for the climate activists. This is the first time that there has been a a pro-climate ruling on constitutional grounds in the U.S., so it's definitely being celebrated, and it's been getting a lot of headlines. Interesting. And you report, though, that the ruling might not be as seismic and far-reaching as it appears. So why is this case unique and potentially not applicable to similar cases in other states? Well, the thing is, like I mentioned, this is under the Montana Constitution, not the U.S. Constitution. So The Montana Constitution has unique provisions in it, guaranteeing that right to a healthy environment. Most states do not have that kind of a specific provision. Only a couple other states really do. And they have different wording. So there's questions about how this might apply potentially elsewhere. Not that it would apply necessarily elsewhere. And it's not the kind of thing that will necessarily translate to the federal level either. This is sort of a victory, but it's not clear how widespread this impact is going to be. Got it. And looking forward in this case, Montana officials have blasted the ruling, of course, and vowed to appeal it. So what are they arguing and how significantly does this ruling impact state policy, if at all? It's sort of twofold on the reactions. On the politics side, state officials are calling it, quote, an absurd ruling. And they're arguing that the judge sort of was ideological and was siding with the climate activists on that issue instead of on the law. On the legal front, they're arguing that the state has the right to create its own laws. And also that even if Montana, you know, stops producing fossil fuels immediately, it would have a negligible impact on global climate change. So this kind of a policy shift is unnecessary. That's sort of a quintessential issue with climate change that we've seen for as long as climate change has been a recognized problem. There's no one action that is going to solve it. (laughs) So there's often sort of a push against any kind of action in that front. So we'll have to see how it ends up shaking out. In the meantime, the ruling, it's sort of unclear what's going to happen at the state level. They're definitely going to appeal. So it wouldn't shock me if the ruling was maybe put on hold during that appeal. But then also, 
even if state regulators are considering greenhouse gas effects when they're permitting stuff, it's still unclear whether they may deny permits for fossil fuel stuff versus renewable energy. We'll have to see how it shakes out. Right. And so what are you watching for next in the maybe more well-known federal climate-related lawsuit involving youth, the Oregon case? That lawsuit has been in limbo for a while. The Ninth Circuit a few years ago ruled that sort of reluctantly, they used that word, they had to dismiss the case because the courts can't offer the kind of sweeping pro-climate order against the executive branch that the kids in that case were seeking. Sort of unusually, the judge at the lower level has allowed the children to file basically a new version of the lawsuit that pulls back on what they're asking for. They're now just asking for what's called a declaratory judgment, which is a formal judicial acknowledgement that the children's constitutional rights have been violated, but it wouldn't necessarily force the government to specifically do things to ramp down fossil fuel use or boost renewables. It's unclear whether that's going to succeed. Uh, you know, there was pretty clear orders from the top, uh, and by the top, I mean the Supreme Court, that this case should be dismissed. So we're going to have to see what happens. The judge has yet to rule on the new version of the lawsuit. Once she does, if it's in favor of the children, I would expect an appeal, again, that would probably shoot up to the Supreme Court. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But in the meantime, it, it is very much in limbo. Also, as Congress was negotiating a massive influx in funding for the nation's drinking water and wastewater infrastructure, the Environmental Protection Agency incorrectly told states they didn't need to look at the financial audits of the utilities those dollars would go to. That's according to a new report from the agency's inspector general out on Tuesday. The problem, which EPA corrected last month, was identified as part of the IG's investigation into the state of Mississippi's decisions with respect to funding for the city of Jackson's decrepit water system. The IG argued the bad guidance could have left billions of dollars in federal funding across the country open to waste, fraud, or abuse. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron knows developing and deploying carbon capture and storage is a critical step in helping make progress towards global net zero, which is why we're targeting 25 million tons of CO2 per year in storage and offsets by the end of the decade. That's energy in progress. Visit chevron.com slash carbon capture.